You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this bonus episode of Disability After Dark, Quarantine and Chill, Episode 4, where I talk to disabled people about their experiences with COVID-19, how we're all doing right now in this global pandemic, and how we can support each other right now. And basically, I want to get the voices of disabled people out there, so thank you for sticking around, and this this type of content will be available every Friday, as long as we're kind of doing this. I'm going to put out this bonus content to make sure that you have a friendly crippled voice to guide you through all this. A friendly disabled voice to guide you through all this. So that's what we're doing and this is episode four of Quarantine and Chill right here as a part of the Disability After Dark podcast. Enjoy. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Gerza of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Uh, This is another quarantine and chill episode that I'm bringing you every Friday as part of this weird, uncertain, pandemic-y time that we're in, and I'm specifically using this, this, these bonus episodes to talk with disabled, immunocompromised, and hopefully some older people too, to talk about their experiences with COVID and their experiences, you know, feeling about all this stuff, and how do we get the voices of disabled people out there to make sure that we're hearing them during this pandemic, because... They're often drowned out by non-disabled people who don't really understand what's happening. So this is episode, this is Quarantine and Chill, episode four. Um, I am recording with a past guest of the program, Rachel Roves, who was on episode 99 a good long time ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am so excited to have her back when I put a call out for COVID guests. She was one of the first people that emailed me and was like, yeah, I want to do this. Yes, let's talk. And she's just great. And so, Rachel Rose, hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy <laughs> to have you on Disability After Dark again in these weird, crazy times we're in. Yeah, yeah. I wish it didn't take a, a pandemic to get back on here, but I am glad to be here. <laughs> I mean, silver linings, silver linings in these weird times. <laughs> right. And so, like, I, first of all, before we get in, before we launch into my questions, how are you feeling about all this? Anxious. Uh, honestly, I mean, we're being super blunt, uh, anxious as per usual, but probably more so. Um, I think I, I've been uh, tweeting about how I think instead, of, like, instead of doing all the work that I'd love to be doing right now, I think I'm just like cycling in like two minute intervals through like uh, obsessively anxiety reading the news, watching Netflix, texting like 27 people at the same time, then getting distracted by something and like you know rinsing and repeating. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like. It's just a weird feeling, and it's like, it's sitting, the nervousness for me right now is sitting on my chest, 
mm-hmm. and it's not going away, and it's always there, and it's just, and you think, you know, you think that I'm an introvert by nature already. Like, I know that my internet persona seems otherwise, <laughs> but I really am, like, the most, I, my, my, go, my happy place is, like, Netflix and chilling and not actually doing anything ever. So, I'm good. So, when I, when this, all, when this all started, I was super comfortable, and I was like, ah, oh, we'll be fine, but now we're, like, day, day 12 or 13 into, like, a huge lockdown and I'm just like well, okay what now yeah yeah I am uh, I'm the exact opposite I am quite possibly the most extroverted human I have ever met um that like in the sense that like I feel at my best when I have like no- enough social activity in my life to like get to some level of like um there's like enough activity to kind of like balance out my brain and then when I don't have enough social activity I tend to feel way more restless and can't focus as well. It's very strange. Uh, Not surprising, knowing you, that makes <laughs> that makes a whole yeah. that makes loads of sense. Um, no one's ever surprised when I say that. Yeah, not surprised at all. Because you, but for me, like my persona on the internet is very extroverted, and in real life, I'm very much like, can we just stay home and not do the thing? Can we just like, can we can can we? So this is. And I thought I would be a master at this, and I'm actually starting to be like, okay, I like I before I talked to you, I went down to to the my landlord's office, and I was like, oh my god, there's outside, there's like thing that people are doing stuff, like this is great, and I was all excited because like there were humans around. Mm-hmm. And now when I it's 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 so funny because like usually like my happy place is around like people, and right now every time someone like who doesn't live with me, like if I had to go, I went to um, I use medical marijuana, and I had to stop at the weed dispensary yesterday and like I I've never wanted to be around other humans less in my entire life <laughs> I was so uncomfortable it's so anxiety producing now yeah it's such a weird like I, I coughed this morning in my in my apartment alone and I went oh fuck like for sure I have it I have it this is uh, this is it and it was so ridiculous because it's springtime all of us are gonna get colds anyway because it's the seasons are changing so I'm trying to like temper my coronavirus anxiety with like hey the weather is changing right now this is a normal part of what happens when spring comes you'll be fine mm-hmm. and for me my, my chronic illness uh, which is I have I have several but the, the one that plays the biggest role um, is mastocytosis which is basically like I have a lot of improper immune responses to things um, that cause allergic reactions it's a very short abbreviated version of what it is but um so I tend to have a lot of allergic reactions to just like things all of the time and a lot of times that results in me coughing uh, and boy, have I been way more paranoid. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get everybody around me sick. Like, and then I take an antihistamine. I'm like, okay, cool. It's just another allergic reaction. <laughs> just, just a routine as usual. Like, um, but yeah, it's been, and then because I'm more stressed out, my symptoms seem more, a little bit act, more active. Yeah. And so like coughing has been happening more and it's just like making, I'm making like, I've calmed down a little bit, but at first, like a week and a half ago, I was like, getting very nervous every time I started coughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a really weird, and like I have care workers, so every time I cough and they're in the apartment, all of us oh, stop mm-hmm. and like look at each other like, oh God, oh God, sorry, oh God. It's happening, it's yeah, happening. <laughs> like, oh God. So it's really, it's really, really scary. So, so you kind of mentioned what your disabilities are. Can mm-hmm. you, my first question was going to be, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your day-to-day life? And you've kind of mentioned on a show before, but just for a refresher, for anybody yeah. listening who may not have heard episode 99, and you should all go back and listen because we had a fucking good time in that episode, but if you could just refresh for us what your disabilities are and how they impact you. 
Cool. So I have a, I have a number of them, but as I mentioned, um, the one, the, the one that plays like the biggest role in how I'm able to live my life, um, the full name is indolent systemic mastocytosis. It's a mast cell disease. I just call it masto because who wants to say all of that? Um, but um, it basically means that I have too many mast cells, which are part of your immune system, and they don't uh, respond to things properly. So instead of just helping fight off viruses and bacteria, my body thinks it's like goes into it's a bit of a drama queen uh, and tries to mostly fight off uh, fragrances and chemicals. So I am severely allergic to fragrances and chemicals um, to the degree in which um, I'm not able to work in an office anymore um, as of a couple of years ago uh, because I was having it was too hard to control my surroundings and I kept having um, too many allergic reactions to be able to like function. Right. Um, and, that, and that shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, brain fog, um, my throat closes up, coughing. As, as we mentioned, um, and like, a you know, honestly, it's like a laundry list of other ways. Um, but I've been working from home for a few years trying to uh, splitting my time between doing sex education um, and sex, uh, uh, moving to sex coaching and, and teaching classes, as well as um, I'm also a graphic designer, which is what I used to do in an office. So splitting my time between those things largely. Oh, and um, hosting queer play parties, which I do as well. Amazing, amazing. I had a yeah, yeah. when you were talking, you mentioned about fragrances and mm-hmm. so many of the cleaning products that we're, uh, that we're yeah. using right now to make ourselves feel better about COVID and to make ourselves feel like we are quote unquote clean have really strong fragrances. How are, How is that affecting you right now? It's not good. It's not good at all. Um, so I, I started thinking about this because um, maybe I've watched just like uh, way, way too many dystopia movies because uh, there's just a genre I qu- quite enjoy uh, or like disaster movies. So um, when I started hearing about this in China and people started getting panicky about it, like even like a month and a half ago, um, I started trying to buy some like disinfectant uh, that I wouldn't die if we had to use it in my house um, because I knew that that was going to sell out quickly and there was very limited sub- like brands that even have fragrance-free types of disinfectant. Um I have not, I didn't manage to get a hold of much of it, uh, but I, I have um, some rubbing alcohol I found. So I've been using that in my house, uh, which isn't as bad as other stuff. It's really, it's pretty good. I have a bunch myself. Um, how do you feel as somebody with it, within it who's disabled and immunocompromised, how do you feel about people hoarding stuff? I think they're dicks. <laughs> I mean, if we're being blunt, I mean, there's a lot of people who need resources right now, and we don't need you panic buying toilet paper. Um, it's not helping anybody, including you. Um, <laughs> it's so really not. It's it's no. I mean, like uh, realistically, that's like the least. That should be like the least of your worries. Like, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, take care of yourselves. Uh, the toilet paper, like, buy enough, and that's really it. <laughs> like, buy enough for you to use, and that's it. Just so people um, understand, kind of given what your what your needs are. If you were to go to the store and look for something, what is something that you need at the store right now? For them to not have covered everything in bleach. Uh, that's I have a hard time going to the store, period, uh, just because I know that there's been like, you know, in, in order to keep people safe, you have to disinfect things, especially now. Um, and, and I worry about having to go into the stores because of that. Um, but if I had to go buy something, um, things I need. I mean, like I have uh, basic essential things. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things that I use to keep myself safe on a day-to-day basis are things that we are currently utilizing for this pandemic and are not available. Like I usually wear a mask um, pretty frequently to help be out in spaces. Um, 
it's kind of extra ironic when I'm at sex ed type related things because people are like, is that a is that a health thing or a kink thing? Um, and you're like <laughs> both. <laughs> like I, I'll let you decide. Um, but uh, but um, but yeah. So I haven't been able to get like refills for my masks, which would make it even harder to go into stores. And um, even at the dispenser, the weed dispensary yesterday, someone was giving me a hard time about wearing a mask because it's supposed to only be for healthcare workers. And I was like, well, it's funny. I'm not actually that concerned about COVID in this exact moment. I'm actually worried about the fragrances. So, um, you know, and then that kind of got the woman to, to shut up. But, um, yeah, so I guess um, what I would need in a store is not actually a specific item. I'd need people to, like, uh, hopefully have aired it out a little bit or, or use um, some of the more natural cleaners if possible, but obviously keep the employees at the store safe. Like, they're more yeah, of a priority. Of course. Um, and also for able-bodied people to realize that COVID-19 is not the only reason somebody would, would be wearing a mask um, and to be respectful and polite of people taking care of themselves. That's really, that's really like important advice because I think we're starting to reach that weird point in the pandemic where respect and like, and like understanding is starting to wane a little bit and we need to remember it. it. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit is generous. It's starting to wane a lot. We, we need to like remember that, that disabled people, and I'll say it again, disabled people need to be listened to here. We are the fucking experts right now in all of this. We've been doing this long before the rest of you. So sit down, shut the fuck up, and listen to us for just a minute, and we'll probably help you through. Uh, and that was my own, that was a little bit of my own, like, <laughs> anger about the situation coming through, but, like, just listen to us, and we'll, we'll help you out. Um... I want to ask you, so living with Masto and all the things you have, you, we kind of chatted a bit about how you're sort of used to all this stuff before all before COVID. You were kind of used to, like, being really vigilant. You were used to all these things. Um, can you kind of elaborate on that for us and explain to me what it feels like now that it's heightened? So I think the parts, yes. So I think the parts that are the most familiar to me is, like, being kind of needing to work from home. Um and it's actually kind of ironic because I was thinking, I made a joke to my partner the other day that I was like, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, uh, it's almost like now if you go near people, you don't know if they're going to make you sick almost like uh, the way you would if you were trying to navigate the world with a fragrance allergy and had no idea who would just show up in front of you and make you really sick for the rest of the day or week or month. or um, So that kind of like having to be hyper aware of people around you and what potential health issues they could cause um, you know, that, that I've been doing for a while and it's kind of, it's heightened now in a different way. Um, but it is kind of like strange to see everybody kind of experiencing that same sense of, uh, like anxiety and paranoia around being people who could potentially be harmful to even be around. Um, it's definitely a little bit different now though, cause everything's so much more heightened and it's just, there's a lot of unknown factors and trying to like factor in like if, um, you know, the at least in the United States, I would say the government is not doing anything particularly helpful. No, I think which is very stressful. Donald Trump needs to sit. The stop talking. You don't know what you're talking about. Freaking scientists talk. Yeah, don't say anything anymore, Donald. Please. Oh my God, we'd all be better off. Um, he just wants to like you know go away forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the that's the very like polite version of my opinion on that one. Uh, <laughs> Just because, you know, I'll, I'll go off on like a, you know, a two hour tangent with that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think that the, I think it's the scale and watching all the people around me who um, also be anxious and worried and 
trying to get my parents to just like stop leaving the damn house, um, you know, uh, and worry about all the other people in my life that kind of really adds to the bits that I was already used to in a different way. Is there... Now, some people that I've spoken to about this pandemic, they said there's a bit of a comfort in that everybody else is doing it. This is doing this too. Is there, is there like so? Because, and I kind of feel this weird comfort of like everyone's on the same page now. All that crip time stuff we've been talking about forever and how things take us longer and how everybody has to slow the fuck down. There's a small part of me that's like, I don't have to worry because nobody's worried and it's fine. I would say it's not. Like for me, um, I totally see what you mean. But for me, I think I think comfort's the wrong word. I think it's like this. Um, I guess it's like, and I guess I tend to be a bit of an idealist, but uh, hoping that there's this shared empathy that can come out of this, right? Like we've all, a lot of us have been in this situation, on and off, or or entirely, um, or you know, for however long, and and now people are realizing that one, like people can work remotely, and um, that's not a big deal and to allow people to do it. And obviously it's a capability that are, you know, things they have a, the capability to do. Yeah. And um, that it is that health concerns are overwhelming and stressful and very distracting from things you might need to get done on a day to day basis. Um, and and um, just like how to navigate the world when so much can be harmful to you. Um, and really hoping that people like remember this when this is over and hopefully treat disabled people better. Yeah, like, please, this is, and I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I don't fucking care, it's a bonus episode, you can turn off this part of you've heard of me say it before, but listen to us, and remember this, and remember the ableism that you fixed during this temporary time, and, like, don't ever let it be unfixed again. Keep the keep things the way they are. Once the panic dies down, keep things as accessible as possible, because we're in a point of history where... Like, we're in it right now. We don't realize, but we're in it. So I'm just going to write a history book about this shit, and we're going to be in it. And, like, this stuff needs to be, hey, we made things accessible for disabled people during the pandemic, and we kept things going that way for hundreds of years. Like, it should be like that. And even if they don't want to be selfless about it, or even, like, fucking ethical about it, uh, in the sense that they are giving uh, disabled people the accommodations that we deserve and need, um, put it this way. If... If people had been more accessible in the first place, we would be so much more prepared for this. Yeah. Like if you, if people had been granting their requests and making things um, accessible the way that disabled people need them, so much of what's happening in the last few weeks and what's probably going to ha- continue to happen in the next couple weeks, uh, especially, um, would have been a lot easier. Yeah, completely. And I totally agree with you. Like five million percent. Yep. Yep. Um... So I don't care if they're being ethical and and supportive or if they're doing it from selfish needs like just make shit accessible everybody benefits from accessibility yep completely one thousand percent um so i want to kind of shift a little bit to what is some of the best and worst parts of social distancing for you like what is your favorite thing about social distancing and what is your least favorite thing about social distancing all right, if I want to be really, really honest, I have no favorite parts of social distancing. Um, I, as I mentioned, I'm super extroverted. And this also happened to come at a time where I had like this incredible month long trip plan to like multiple conferences I was going to speak at and like a relative's wedding and a, and a best friend I hadn't seen in a few years and uh, like a great trip. Um, 
with a number of people and, and uh, getting to go to a couple cities I've never been to. So I'm pretty bummed about those things because uh, I've been planning that for quite some time. And now I have like a million, like not a million, but like I have like, I had to cancel seven different flights on four different airlines. And now I have a oh, bunch of travel God. credits that I, that like I will probably never get the opportunity to use. Who knows? Um, but, um, but uh, so, so it's been, and, you know, there's a lot of people I love in my in, uh, my day-to-day life that I'm not able to see at the moment. Um, so none of that is really my favorite because I I think I get a lot of um, a lot of my like mental health stuff has come from um, if if I need to work from home during the day, then I I do a lot of social things in ways that are safe for me um, outside of work hours. Yeah. And um, like I think I knew what I was doing every weekend between now and like mid-May, like I like already lined up um, because I like that's something that really helps keep my mental health in a good place is like having it fun things to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so, um, but, uh, so I don't think I have any, I mean, I guess getting, no, I'm sorry, I got nothing. I, there's not, there's no favorite part of social distancing. It's just not my thing. Um, I'm a very <laughs> social person, but uh, my least favorite things would be, uh, you know, having a lot of great, um, opportunities that I was looking forward to, especially for networking and um, business stuff, um, falling through. Um, and uh, also, like, uh, I have, I'm, I'm polyamorous, so I'm married, and, and luckily I'm, I'm, I live with my uh, my husband, um, and I have a great roommate too, but, um, but, like, I have another partner that I spend a lot of time with, and she lives, like, 45 minutes away, and we are not seeing each other for the time being, for, you know, social distancing. Yeah, safety for safety reasons, of course. Yeah. How uh, is COVID affecting your your views on like polyamory and your views on like sexuality? How how is it playing a role there? Well, I was saying to my roommate last night that I am going to be like the world's best sexter by the time this freaking pandemic. Right? Me like, fucking I too. Practice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a skill like you know, it's, it's it's never something I was bad at, but I just like never had this much opportunity to practice before, um, or or uh, motivation, I guess. Um, but um, so there's that. Um, which, if I had to say, if I had to pick a favorite part of social distancing, I think all the sexting would probably be it. Um, but it's also torturous, so there's that. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I have my views on polyamory and stuff. I, I don't really think it's shifting, although it does. It, it does make you think about like how you need to, like what you need to do in order to keep everybody safe more, um, you know, and and how especially in like a, a like the polyamory community. I mean, it's everybody's so interconnected that like people have to be even a little bit more careful um, not to see certain partners, especially like and there's there's so many um, immunocompromised and disabled folks at least in um, in in the community that I'm a part of too. So like you know we want to keep. Everybody safe. Yeah, yeah, and it's really hard to like, like I've, I've, I was telling you off the air. I had to just, I just booked my first FaceTime session with my sex worker, and I don't even know what the fuck that's gonna look like. But I was like, I need some sort of sexual attention, so I'll take it. But it feels extremely weird because I have, I think it's called skin hunger, and I. And that's, like, where you really want somebody, you're craving someone to touch you, like, sensually. And I'm getting to that point of, like, I need someone to touch me that isn't clinical. And I need to be, I need to be able to be, I'm a really slutty person when I get in the right mood. And I have not been able to access that for the last little while. And I probably won't be able to access that for the last, for the foreseeable future. So it's been really tough to be, like, 
cool. I can see my sex worker through a screen, but I can't do what I would normally do with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, it's such a strange thing how this, I mean, like we, I feel like we should have all seen this coming sooner or like our, I mean, our governments should have been way more on top of these things, I feel like. But um, even besides that, like, it's just, it feels like it shifted so quickly. Um, my birthday was two weeks ago and I'm pretty sure that was six years between now and then. Like at the time, it just, everything happened so fast and like our whole lives shifted within like a couple of days, at least um, on, I live on the East coast of the United States. So like, and, and which is, uh, you know, part of a big uh, outbreak in this area and or in this part of the world um, at the moment. And so like everything here just shifted very quickly and it was just, it's kind of mind blowing it how suddenly we can't see all the people we we spend all our time with yeah it's very it's so strange and ironically if we if we were not in all these locked time situations i feel like we would say things like oh we can just text like it would become but now all of a sudden that we can't we're like clamoring to see each other i mean i i guess i guess there's a little bit of a comfort in that because that's how i always feel about seeing people and i'm like Sometimes I worry that, like, it's just, um, not that I worry so much, but it's, um, everybody else seems to need a lot more breaks from people than I do, but I think I've just picked my people very well, and so I don't really ever feel the need to not want to be around them. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, pick good people, so. Um, yeah, I guess everybody's in the same boat on that one, too. It's so true. Um, okay, I want to ask you about, I want to kind of dive into COVID more readily, as an immunocompromised and disabled person, what is something that really scares you about COVID-19? And what what do you think would happen to you as somebody with disabilities if you were to contract COVID-19? So one of the things that freaks me out is that um, there's a lot I don't know. Uh, what I have is a rare disease. And so there's not really any evidence to, as far as I'm aware, uh, to show whether I am or am not uh, immunocom- like actually immunocompromised. My immune system is overreactive, but it thinks it's attacking like outside environmental things. So like, does that mean it's super powered or <laughs> does it mean it's because I, I don't get uh, what I call normal people sick very often, um, but I do constantly have symptoms. So like it's I guess I, I, I've convinced myself that I'm not super immunocompromised for my own peace of mind, uh, but I don't actually know if that's factually accurate. I don't even know if anybody's ever looked into it because of how rare it is. Um but, you know, I'm taking all the same precautions either way. Uh, but uh, so um, caveat, I think vaccines are very important and great. However, a couple of years ago, I had a flu vaccine and had an allergic reaction to it um, just because my body hates everything. Um, and that it just really does. Um, and uh, it that led to the last two years being like the worst flare up. It flared up. My mastocytosis flared up in ways that I could have never anticipated. Um, and it's impacted my life in these major ways. It's really taken me a long way to like get back to closer to where I was. Right. And things are just, they were like the last, I've, I've been saying for a while, but like the last three or four months, I finally found a really good balance with things. And I found um, like medications, mostly um, on top of my other stuff, uh, medical marijuana has been like really amazing and helping me get back to a better place with it and helping my brain inflammation um, so that I can function better. And as a you know, virus relative of uh, the flu and not really being sure what caused, what what aspects of that vaccine or any, or whatever caused the immune response it did. I wonder if, um, if I got sick with COVID-19, if that would lead to another flare up 
And I'm kind of out of other traditional medications to try other than chemotherapy drugs, which is something my doctors have all been recommending to me. And boy, am I really glad I ignored them because then I'd be very immunocompromised at this time. Yeah, Um, yeah. So there's some peace of mind there, but I worry that um, the next time I have a really major flare-up that I will need like really potentially harmful drugs um, to get it back under control. And that's, that's a scary thought. You mentioned because of fragrances, you have issues with coughing. Does it also affect your breathing? It can. Um, so mastitosis is kind of a weird, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's kind of like, uh, I joke about how it's kind of like Clue. It's like Mrs. White in the library with the candelabra. So mass <laughs> so mass cells exist all throughout the connective tissue in your body. Um, and it really every area of your body, including your brain, um, skin, you know, whatever, everything. Um, and to the best of my understanding, obviously I, my background is not as a medical professional. Um, however, I do know a ton about this stuff. Um, is depending on like the, the, the cells hold like a whole, like 200 different types of chemicals and those can cause a whole different slew of reactions. And depending on where in your body it, um, it releases those chemicals and where, um, and, uh, Sorry, where it releases those chemicals, what chemicals are released, and uh, you know a few other factors determines what kind of reaction you have. So it's literally a grab bag of symptoms. There's like a hundred different possibilities. Um, although there are some I have more often than others. Sometimes breathing and coughing are more common ones for me. So are you concerned that if you were to contract COVID, like one of the big symptoms we're hearing right now is coughing, and one of the big symptoms we're like worried about is respiratory failure and like heart failure, all these things? Are you worried about? that affecting your your masto at all um i am i I do know that um i do know that uh that a lot of massachusetts patients or other people with uh, different muscle diseases tend to get much sicker than average people and i i did see someone post recently saying that they had spoken to a specialist and said that like it would be unrealistic to anticipate um COVID-19 impacting people with mast cell diseases in the exact same fashion it would impact like the rest of the population because you just don't know how your body's going to respond to things. Yeah. So I think it's just like, it's a lot of unknowns. Um, and people with mast cell diseases, uh, their symptoms and the way that they respond to things vary wildly between patients, even with the same disease. So like you can't even look at what happens to other people as an example of what may occur to you. And so I think it's just the, uh, the answer is maybe. I, I don't know. Like, no, there's just... Who knows? Well, that's uh, fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's never. I'm told I'm never boring. That's what my partner tells me all the time. Um, so. Well, that's a good thing to be is to never be boring. But in this case, I would probably want to be boring. <laughs> I would rather be run of the mill boring. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Rachel, what piece of advice would you give if you could look if you could speak into the mic and talk directly to the disabled community right now and kind of give them something to to hold on to and to some words of comfort and advice. What advice would you give to disabled and immunocompromised people going through this right now? Um, so I guess what I would give is that I think one of the hardest things that I've seen a lot of people talk about is the fact that uh, a lot of the rhetoric around COVID-19 has been that it only, Im- it o- quote unquote, only impacts uh, harmfully uh, older people and disabled people or people with pre-existing conditions. And so I guess what I want to tell everybody is that uh, regardless of what pre-existing conditions you have or you, if you're chronically ill or disabled, like you matter, you are important. Um, and, and, um, that, that you're, that like your health, your life, your, you know, you being a part of, uh, of our society, it matters. And, and the rhetoric, uh, around, um, 
the wording that somehow makes it seem like maybe uh, that wasn't the case is bullshit. <laughs> and we know better. We know that you guys matter. And what other things would you say to, to a disabled person just to make them feel less alone? Like, what would you... I think it's that we're all equally overwhelmed at this point. Um, that, like, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I mean, we're in, like, a real scary new situation for everybody. And so I think that, um, well, I don't really know that I can say anything at this point that will make anybody feel better. I could say that you're not alone. Like, even though we're isolated, we're all, there's, there is this sense of empathy and camaraderie and, like, this us-against-the-world kind of... Um, togetherness, yeah. Togetherness. That's, that's um, it's unfortunate that it takes these, like, type of disasters and horrible horrible things to have that that sense of community but um right now we are all facing the same problem and and with that becomes um even if we're physically socially isolated uh, a lot of togetherness uh, as well and one of the things i want to ask you about a little bit was about we because you're a sex educator we haven't heard a lot about covid19 and sexuality are you concerned about how this will affect sex going forward uh, yeah. Um, so on a personal personal note, um, I mean, um, I, I do worry a little bit. My my both my roommate and my partner are, have jobs that are essential and are still having to go to work. Um, and so I worry, especially um, my roommate has a lot more limit, like it's much more limited in who he's coming in contact with on, on a daily basis. But my uh, my partner has it's a pretty large office. Um, so it, it's that's concerning about like being intimate with him personally um yeah. and then any risk there uh as far on a more uh sex educator business level um i host queer play parties and it was probably the part of my business that was doing the best and i worry that people won't feel comfortable for a very long time attending uh events where they're be you know open to being sexy with different people um because of potential risk of reinfection or infection in the first place or um just kind of coming down from the anxiety high of, of, of everything that's happening. Yeah, the whole thing for me, like, I'm a really sexual person, as anyone who, lists, who listens to this podcast knows. I love to talk about sex, and I love to be flirty, and I love to be, to push the boundaries, and now I'm really afraid that it's going to change how we do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I think, I think it's, uh, I think when everybody feels safe again, boy, there are going to be some really great play parties and lots of sexiness because everybody is, like, jonesing for it. Um, I feel very grateful to be quarantined um, with a partner, but I know a lot of people, a lot, especially a lot of polyamorous people who have even multiple partners um, aren't with any of them. They all, you know, maybe they're solo poly or, or some other living arrangement or something, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's a whole, it's a really weird time for anybody doing in, working in sex ed. Well, anybody, anybody, anywhere, but especially those of us working in already intimate, awkward things. Yeah. It's really, how do we, how do we, like, I'm really worried that it's going to change the shape of intimacy for a very long time. Um, and that's scary. Uh, I want to ask you, though, what advice would you give, and my last question, what advice would you give to non-disabled people who have never experienced this before? What advice can you offer them as an immune, as a possibly immunocompromised disabled person for them to get through try to give advice but the first thing that keeps coming to mind is like remember what you're going through because after this like something positive has to come out of this I feel like I mean that's how I look at the world and like please let that thing be 
remembering how this felt and making things more accessible for other people. Um, like use this, use this to do something good with it, um, which is not advice so much as it is a demand or a request. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's where my brain kept going. Um, advice wise, like, yes, this is scary. It's new. It's overwhelming. Um, it's really, uh, it's really, really scary for a lot of people who've never had to look at the possibility of what their life might be like with the threat of health issues. Um, and realizing like their own mortality a little bit. Um, that's a lot. It's a lot. Like give yourself, be patient with yourself. Yeah. Um, be patient with the fact that you probably can't focus on anything right now. I don't think anybody can. It's really hard. Like, but it's I, so hard. <laughs> I gotta say sitting down with people like you and doing this quarantine and chill episode, I like episodes, I am, it's giving me something to look forward to. And it's letting me talk about my anxiety with other disabled and immunocompromised people. And it's, Actually, it feels really good because I could be scared with somebody, mm-hmm. and that's kind of nice. It's it's kind of weird that suddenly everybody in the world is as anxious as I am on a normal basis. Like, um, you know, so there's there's it's 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 there's this weird disconnect when you are chronically ill or disabled, especially in a way that is not common. Um, and having like fragrance and chemical sensitivities uh, isn't super uncommon, but having it to the severity that I have it is, right. uh, it seems. And so um, it's just, it's suddenly, it's like the scary thing is happening. And for the first time in a few years, it's something everybody can relate to. Like I, I there's a moments, like I had um, a sinus infection, even though I don't get like normal people sick very often, I had a sinus infection a few months ago. And, um, and it was like, suddenly everybody could relate to it. Like if I told them I was having a symptom of my masto and I was sick from that, like, there's a little, there's a lot less empathy and understanding because it's something that a lot of people have never been through. Yeah. Uh, but everybody has probably had a science infection or a cold at some point. And so like, there's this sense of, oh yeah, yeah, take care of yourself. If you need time, you're, like that kind of like allowances for you being a human that don't often get lent to people who are disabled or chronically ill. And this is and what with, we're saying, like, don't, please don't forget this. Please don't forget remember. this. Remember. <laughs> Do not forget this moment, world. Uh, please. <laughs> Rachel Rose, this was such a great conversation. I loved t- talking to you again. And it's so, I just think, you know, I think you're one of the greatest people ever. And I really, I love what you do. And I love who you are. And thank you for coming on and spending some time with me in your playroom, bedroom, where you are right now. <laughs> craft room? Yeah. I, <laughs> it's a craft room slash uh, the play parties I host sometimes uh, occur at my house. And so it is one of the play spaces, but the rest of the month it is a guest room slash craft room slash, um, well, it's become the cla- the room that I do the online, uh, workout classes I've been doing since we've been quarantined. So it's also now a gym. Amazing. It's very multi-purpose. <laughs> so you, uh, because you're a disabled and, and possibly immunocompromised person, I want to make sure that you have the, a chance to shout out your Patreon, shout out the things where people can support you because a lot of disabled people right now are struggling and there's not a lot of talk about supporting them. I don't see a lot of disability funded stuff yet. So if you can give a shout out to how people can support you, here's your, please do that. Yes, I would love to. Um, so if you, where you guys can find me, um, I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Hedonish, H-E-D-O-N-I-S-H. I would love if you wanted to support me on Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Hedonish, uh, spelled the same way. Um, and uh, you can check out my website at Hedonish.com. Amazing. Rachel Rose, you know I love you to bits. Uh, this was great. And you and I will talk in five seconds when I hit off. But you're great. 
thanks so much for thank coming. Thank you so in. much for having me. Anytime. Thanks for coming on Quarantine and Chill, part of Disability After Dark. And uh, I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point for a regular non-pandemic episode. I'd love that. All right. Talk to you soon, Rachel. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, everybody. That was episode four of Quarantine and Chill, part of the disability after dark podcast where i talk to disabled people about their feelings around covid and you heard my interview there with rachel rose talking about her experiences having mastocytosis all that stuff how she navigates that and how she feels about all that during covid it was a really important interview i have now recorded episode five and six of the quarantine and chill i'm so excited by these episodes because I think it's the content that we need right now. We need to hear from disabled individuals. I'm also doing a bunch of tweets on my Twitter about the impact of COVID on myself as a disabled individual and on others who are disabled and just kind of putting general content out that way. If you want to follow me on my socials, I know over the last few weeks my handles have changed. I was trying to figure out who the fuck I wanted to be and I changed it a bunch of times. I'm not going to change it again because I'm getting tired of it. So my Twitter, if you want to follow me directly to, to learn more about my experience with COVID, follow me at It's Andrew Gerza, I-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A on both Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'm most active right now. So follow me there for some wholesome disability content and not so wholesome disability content and cripple COVID content, I guess you could say. Um, I'll be doing stuff there. I'm also going to be doing a, a lot of um, trying to figure out some Instagram live stuff. I want to do just stuff to give you, again, like I said at the beginning, a friendly disabled voice to guide you through. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay as healthy as you can. I know it's hard for a lot of us with disabilities to be as healthy as we can. And I know that we have very specific worries about this thing, but I want to say I'm here for you. I support all of you. If you need something from me, slide into my DMs and I'll be happy to talk to you about it and talk you through. So, this has been COVID Episode 4, or sorry, Quarantine and Chill Episode 4 about COVID-19. And um, if you want to come on an episode of Quarantine and Chill, just email me directly at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to talk about about it and I would love to book you in and hear about it from you so let's do that thanks everybody and thanks for listening to Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality and everything in between Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.